Hello and welcome to the Faith Lutheran Church Podcast. Faith trusts the promises of God. It's the third Sunday in the season of Lent. It's Oculus Sunday, which means I lift up my eyes. And we lift up our eyes to the Lord, uh, who is our strength, our shield, our fortress, our rock. He has saved us from our enemies, our spiritual enemies. That's what we see in our lessons today. Our sermon text is from 2 Samuel chapter 22, to verses 1 through 7. David spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the grasp of all his enemies, even from the grasp of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rocky cliff, my stronghold and my deliverer. My God is my rock. I take refuge in him. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high fortress, my refuge and my savior. You save me from violence. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled around me. Floodwaters of destruction rolled over me. The ropes of the grave wrapped around me. The traps of death threatened me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. To my God, I cried out. He heard my voice from his temple. My cry for help reached his ears. And we pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Victory over a house divided. That's the occasion for the Psalm David sings in our lesson from 2 Samuel. But to understand what house divided this was, we need to understand a little bit about Israel's history. And really it's history as a, a disunited uh, nation, a, the disunity of the nation. And the disunity went all the way back to the patriarch Jacob, later called Israel, who was the father of a literally divided house. He had 12 sons from two different wives and, and their servants. The sons of Jacob's first wife, Leah, hated and wanted to kill a son of Jacob's second wife, Rachel, and that was Joseph. And eventually they would sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt after putting him into a pit and pretending he was killed. After each of the sons was made into a tribe and after returning to the promised land hundreds of years later and throughout the next hundreds of years, the children of Israel struggled with conflict among the tribes. Each tribe at that time was led by a judge, which is why we have the book called Judges. And they would constantly be at war with each other. The reason for their disunity was their own sin, pride, and rebellion. But they thought that everything would be better if, if the government was different, just like we do today. And so they pleaded to God to give them a king instead of all the tribes. Israel's first king was King Saul, who was of the tribe of Benjamin, one of Rachel's tribes. But Saul had become power-hungry and as a result strayed from God because he made himself his own God. And so God appointed a new king, David, who was from the tribe of Judah, one of Leah's tribes. David was first made king of Judah, a region which uh, first comprised the three southern tribes. So now there is civil war. Israel, or the northern kingdom, comprised of nine tribes, versus Judah, or the southern kingdom, comprised of the remaining three. Saul knew that God favored David. He knew that God promised to unite the kingdom again under David, 
And so Saul was envious of David and tried to kill him. It was a house divided. For David, the, really, the odds were really uh, three to one, not in his favor. The strong man, Saul, was the ruler of an even stronger house, Israel. And in spite of everything the Israelites had hoped would come from having a king, as well as any hope for a united kingdom, it was bleak. David was drowning in snares of death, surrounded by his enemies. It was as if, as David had said, the floodwaters of destruction rolled over me. The ropes of the grave have wrapped around me. Just imagine, that's how little hope David thought was left. David felt as if he had been literally pulled down to the grave, all due to the disunity of the house of Israel. What does this all have to say to us? On the surface, this is all history of a foreign nation that happened thousands of years ago. But the problems and disunity here speak to us today, don't they? Because what, families, what family has two brothers who never punched each other? What two sisters have never spewed hateful words at each other? What two friends never disagreed with each other? What husband and wife never got angry at each other? What house is not divided? As baptized believers, we are members of the church militant. In this world, we are in a warfare against our enemies. Our enemies, our, our enemies are spiritual, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. But each of these are wily and cunning. And they try to make us believe that they actually aren't our enemies, but that everyone else is. So then when my sinful flesh wants to do something that is less than good, and whenever anyone else would tell me no, well then they must be my enemy. Because only my enemy wouldn't tolerate what I feel like doing. This works itself out not uh, only on the individual level, but also on the corporate level. We shouldn't be surprised that even the church suffers from infighting. We should not be scandalized that Christians behave badly, that Christians sin. The devil, the world, and our own flesh are the most cunning against the church. And this is especially true whenever believers need to be shown their sin. If a pastor or fellow believer attempts to point out their sin, what often happens? Instead of leaving that sin, they leave the church. Or they stir up strife within the church, rallying others to be sympathetic towards their sinful behavior. The church militant not only faces battles from the outside, but from within. Satan wants to destroy the church. So what does Satan do? He uses good things. Good things like sleep or music or sports, friends, and even family to keep us away from uniting with Christians who are preparing for spiritual battle. Regarding the things of this world, Satan wants us to fight for over and against God's word. But regarding God's word... Satan wants us to live and let live. Satan is totally tolerant. He wants us to ignore false doctrine. He's okay with us getting along if it means he can subvert Christ's teachings. 
Our enemy of the world, then, calls those who stand with Jesus and stand for the truth bigots. Good is called evil, and evil is called good. Satan wants to take what is good and make it evil. But God wants to take what is evil and use it for good. In our gospel lesson, Jesus proclaims, Every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and a house divided against itself falls. There were those who called Jesus evil. They said that he was working for Satan. But Jesus said he can't be working for Satan or with Satan if, he's, if he was casting out demons and openly fighting against Satan. And then he tells a little parable, a story with a spiritual meaning. It says, One of strong men, fully armed, guards his own house. His possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and defeats him, he takes away that man's full armor in which he had trusted and divides up his plunder. And we may think we're strong. We may think if we just fortify ourselves a little bit, prepare a little bit, read the Bible every now and then, that, that'll be enough. The Israelites thought that, well, if they just had a better government, then they would be united in spirit from division. But we too, because we live in the world, live in a house divided. And worse yet, we are held captive by the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. We should not envision the devil as being stupid or weak. Far from it. Jesus describes him as a strong man, fully armed, who guards his own house, whose possessions are safe. By nature, we are the possessions of the devil. No one on earth can stand up against the devil or defeat him or escape from his well-guarded house. We are in as hopeless of a situation as David against Saul and his kingdom. We are drowning in the snares of death, surrounded by enemies. The floodwaters of destruction have rolled over us and the ropes of the grave are wrapped around us. And yet, God promised David deliverance and a kingdom. David was picked up out of the grave. God himself was David's shield. The one oppressed by many enemies becomes the king over many nations. And at first, it looks like this united kingdom is fulfilled in David. But actually, the kingdom described here goes far beyond David to an even greater king and an even greater kingdom, to great, David, great, to great David's greater son, Jesus. Jesus is the stronger man. He is our rocky cliff, our stronghold, and our deliverer. He is our rock in whom we take refuge. He is our shield and the horn of our salvation. He is our high fortress, our refuge, and he is our savior. Jesus wants to take what is already divided and unite it to him. Jesus takes what Satan has used for evil, and Jesus uses it for good. Jesus was oppressed by his enemies. Jesus was actually killed and actually was lowered into the grave. But through this evil, through death, Jesus defeated your enemies. Through the cross, Jesus won for you the kingdom. And through his word and sacraments, Christ brings his kingdom to you. He gives you the Holy Spirit and he kicks Satan out. You now are God's house. Christ lives in you. He's established his kingdom in your heart through faith. Through your baptism, Christ united you to himself. 
Through his word, God gives you faith to believe that Jesus has redeemed you from the devil's kingdom by his holy, precious blood. And it isn't suffering and death. Through the Lord's Supper, Christ strengthens you, gives you the strength with the Holy Spirit to, to not be fooled into thinking that your spouse, your friends, your sisters, or your neighbors, or even your fellow brothers in Christ are your enemies, but to stand up against your real enemies. And because Christ has already defeated them, to be victorious. Through these means of grace, Christ delivers you, not in some wishy-washy opinions, but in the one true faith. A faith in which there is no division because there is only one faith and one God. And he preserves you until he'll bring you to his eternal kingdom, forever safe from the devil's attacks. Through Jesus, the stronger man, you can, with David, who overcame against all odds, call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, because you are saved from your enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.